but I think the very thing that the 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 pastors on Twitter who are pointing and saying, "Oh, this is the danger of deconstruction," they're always pointing at at women and people of color, always, and they're always saying, "Oh, if you read Kristen Kobes Dume's book or Jamar Tizzy's book." Right, like slippery slope, you're doomed. It's all like Elisa, you know, said it's CRT stuff, right? That's all CRT. It's all Marxism. It's not the gospel. Blah blah blah. And the the only way out of this is to stop vilifying people of color and women and start listening to people of color and women. And I think anywhere that I am uh, in my own journey of being a, a more open person in terms of listening to other voices and appreciating other perspectives and not shaming people for their stories, it's because I have had the privilege of learning from women and people of color. You're listening to season six of Upside Down Podcast. This is Lindsay Wallace. I'm Kayla Craig. I'm Patty Taylor. And I'm Elisa Molina. Upside Down Podcast is an ecumenical conversation at the intersection of justice, spirituality, and culture. And we have created this space with you in mind. So join us for unscripted conversations on God's Upside Down Kingdom. Welcome to Season 6 of Upside Down Podcast. I'm Elisa Molina, and I will be your host for today's episode. Show notes can be found on Instagram at Upside Down Podcast. To help new listeners find this amazing podcast, you can do that simply by subscribing, rating, sharing, reviewing these small steps uh, help people find us. If you're able to financially support us, any amount helps. You can head over to patreon.com slash upside down podcast. The patrons keep this thing going. They are so generous and so amazing. Um, So shout out to you guys. Today's guest needs no introduction. I am so excited to welcome Johnny Craig. Johnny (laughs) is, uh, I almost like used a description, but like the dramatic pause. I like that. Uh, Johnny is Kayla's husband. He that's right is the extraordinaire <laughs> of this podcast. He is a sourdough master, which I still haven't been invited over to try. Just I'm just saying. I know Patty's had the bread. Have you Patty? It's great. Lucky. It's great. No fair. <laughs> he is the host of the Digital Community, a safe online space for sharing questions, doubts, and wonderings about God and culture. Folks in the digital community are deconstructing, disentangling, unlearning, relearning, and reimagining what spiritual fullness means. Ooh, I love that. And we're going to get into all that in just a moment. He's also a super good, super cool human. And so I'm excited to ask him uh, all the questions. So Johnny, did I miss anything? The, that was a lovely introduction, Elisa. I appreciate that. I, Kayla, asked, you asked me for a bio and I wrote one and in there I said that I have one wife four kids, two dogs, and you guys I didn't want to include the one wife bit, uh, but that's okay. I'll include it myself here. Uh, so I hate writing know. bios. You did a better job than I did when I put that together. <laughs> your wife is your one real claim to fame. So we can certainly that mention is- that. hundred <laughs> percent accurate. Uh, anything I have, I have because of my wife. That's very true. Oh, that is. 
For a long time, I was identified as pastor's wife, and now Johnny is identifying as writer's husband. I love yes. it. Yeah, if you, if you go to my Instagram, I think author's husband is how I there said it. Go. Writer is not author. strong enough. Author. <laughs> author. Author's you husband. You need to add published author. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to that byline. Exactly. Okay, so we, so Johnny, everybody we know, no, that's not true, but it feels like a lot of people that we know in both. Catholic circles and then just any sort of denominate Christian denomination are are going or at least have heard this word deconstruction, right? It's become yeah. something. And and honestly, in a lot of the circles that I've found, um, people have different definitions for like mm. what exactly um that is. So let's start there. Like maybe let's begin with just kind of your idea of what deconstruction is or why it's become such a thing that people are engaging in. And then we can move on to kind of the digital community. Yeah, yeah. Well, first, over at the digital community, there's this incredible thread that has been going on for a few months now. And and every time somebody new joins, uh, inevitably, they add their definition to it. And basically, that's the question. Hey, how do you define deconstruction. Uh, you know, you came to this space <laughs> where that's, you know, what we're doing. Uh, how do you define it? And some of the answers to that question have just really struck me. A lot of people use the word disentangling. Um, my friend Jen uses the word refining. Uh, oh and God. I think people are going through this process of disentangling and refining and deconstruction, if you want to call it that, because we are waking up to the realities of uh, that the world that we thought existed, what we learned existed in church, is very different from the actual world that we inhabit. Uh, and I think specifically for like millennials and for Gen Z, uh, this is a kind of a scales falling from your eyes moment to say, uh, I thought I had all of these easy explanations and then I actually met real people and experienced real things. And the way that I had been taught to think and the way that I had constructed my reality uh, around this particular version of God or the Bible, it's not holding up against the light of these things that I am learning and and growing into. Uh, and it creates this huge tension and huge dissonance for people where they then have to figure out, okay, am I going to lean into that you know pain in some way? Am I going to lean into that change? Or am I going to, you know, back out and just back back into the church and like hunker down? And what we're finding is a lot of people are ready to lean in to what Tyler Burns calls the wilderness. Uh, And, you know, he talks about leaving these kinds of spaces and feeling liberated but lonely. And with respect to Tyler, you know, that's very much from a perspective as a black man. And I don't want to use his words and apply it to like all the deconstruction that everybody's doing. Uh, But when he and I talked about it, we certainly got into how that's a universal feeling. Um, that people are going through is they are just finding that their idea of God and the Bible and the world is not matching up with what's actually happening out here. You know. Speaking of Tyler, I re- I came upon a quote that I heard him say once, um, where he said, um, "You're waking up to this idea that you thought you were in the promised land, mm-hmm. but you're actually yeah. in Egypt," <laughs> and yeah. that like hit me square. Right. And so I think that's part of what you're saying, right? You, you're wait, you thought you were in the promised land and then a couple of things happen or a lot of things happen. And all of a sudden you realize that this is no promised land for a lot of folks. Right. Um, exactly. And maybe not even for myself. So 
tell us then what the digital community is. Like, what is its purpose? Why did you feel this calling or um, feel led to create this space for folks? Yeah. I, so at the risk of telling like too long of a story, um, you know, my wife and I, Kayla, I can say Kayla here because everybody knows yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Kayla and I, you know, when we decided to move back to Waterloo, which I think she's talked about on the podcast, um, it created a situation where uh, I thought I was going to have to uh, leave the church that I was uh, working at. And um, because, you know, pastors don't usually live two hours from the church. Uh, and so I went to my boss, Suzanne, and, you know, we talked about all the things that, you know, were happening around. And uh, she suggested that we could try some type of, I think at that point, we just used the catch-all phrase, virtual ministry. Um, and so I went off and sat down and tried to think about what that means, virtual ministry. And I really got this feeling that the world did not need another live stream church service that was like, calling itself a community, um, but that the real hunger was for people, was in people who were walking away from institutional churches. And so I came back to Suzanne and I said, hey, as I kind of look across the, you know, digital landscape, if I'm looking at Twitter and Instagram and looking at the spiritual conversations happening there, it is a lot of folks who are deconstructing. Uh, and I think that should be the shape of this thing that we do. And that's a bold thing to come to your pastor and your boss and say, hey, let's do a ministry specifically for people who are like super burned out on the church and probably won't ever come back uh, to a church. Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, and she said, that would be fun. <laughs> and so she uh, is amazing. And um, the the board at the church is amazing. Uh, and they gave that the the go ahead. And so that's what we're doing is we're creating a space for folks who are looking to find spiritual fullness beyond the walls of a church, I think is kind of how we say it sometimes. Um, people who have questions, doubts, people who have gone through some stuff in church settings who no longer feel safe in church settings. There are people who are in church settings still, but who don't feel like that's a safe place to express their doubts and what they're going through. And so uh, we wanted to create a, a place where people could do that. And it's a dangerous thing for people to join and to share themselves. And I don't mean dangerous in any like physical sense. It's just like, it's hard, right? Like opening up is hard. And so every time someone joins and does that, I'm just like blown away with gratitude um, because it's it's quite a thing to hold stories of people who feel like they've been, you know, hurt and wrung out by the church. Um, so we don't hide that we're funded by a church, but we are also not a doctrinal organization. We don't talk about doctrines. We're not trying to get anybody to like join our particular denomination or anything like that. Um, it's it's an open space for people to share uh, without fear of the pastor coming in and telling them you're not allowed to feel those things. Wow. So how did you individually, like I want to know as a white male pastor, come to this place of being willing to engage with people on this level? Because much of what we see happening on social media, or like you mentioned, some people are in churches, but they're like, this isn't a safe place for me to have this conversation. A lot yeah. of it, not exclusively, but a lot of it is white male leaders, people in power, people who are pastors, who are not even willing to hear the why this is happening. It becomes mm. a, an automatic scapegoat of 
well, you just must want to be freed from from the Lord. You want to go off in sin. You want to go and right. do these things. You're, you've fallen away. You've backslidden. This is what we hear. Mm-hmm. And, and that is so, so heartbreaking to think that there are so many leaders who would rather get out front and say, this whole deconstruction thing, you think it's sexy, but it's not, or this is a fad and it's just going to go away. Yeah. And meanwhile, there are people who are like, hey, I'm hurting. What about like Jesus going for the one and leaving the 99 behind? Like, what about me? So I, I really like truly want to know how you came to this point of recognizing like, I want to do something different. And if you could speak mm. to why you feel that there are so many pastors and leaders who are responding to this in a very different way than you are exhibiting. Man, you named it so perfectly. I'm going to start with the second question. You named it so perfectly. It is the the maintenance of power is probably how I would say it, that you have white male pastors, and I agree, the preponderance of people. Look at that. We were doing our P uh, exercises earlier, Patty, you all missed to the see warm-up. if our microphones could <laughs> handle it. And now I'm saying the preponderance of people. Uh, who are who are yeah um, besmirching the deconstruction uh, movement if you want to call it that or or uh, who are out here trying to hedge around and and stop their people from deconstructing because it's so dangerous it, it, it's white men absolutely uh, white men uh, who are pastors who have positions of authority and generally I would take it even a step further I'd say they're white men who are uh, who are pastors in churches that don't allow women into leadership, uh, who are, you know, preventing half the church, more than half really, um, from involving themselves in the direction of God's people. And so uh, when I think about that, I think, yeah, it's absolutely, they realize, maybe, maybe consciously, maybe subconsciously, they realize that this whole thing People asking questions, people reimagining faith, people wondering if God is maybe bigger than the little tiny version they learned in church. They realize that that is not a good sign for their power, their financial stability, uh, their platforms. And and I can say as a pastor, the three things that scare me the most are that uh, I would lose influence in people's life and that I would lose uh, the platform to speak and that I would uh, lose all of my uh, money. Those are, you know, very real fears. And I think these men are driven by those. Instead of seeing those fears and saying, wow, I, got, I better interrogate uh, these feelings that I have and try to work out if that's like actually a good thing to be holding on to. I just think this is the water they've been swimming in for so long. They can't even see straight anymore. Um, and it, it makes me upset. Okay. Whoa. Uh, white male pastors on Twitter <laughs> make me real mad. Um, we can, yeah, we hear it. Sorry. No, no, that's good. I mean, it's it it sounds a little bit like righteous anger. Um and also, I wonder hearing you talk, I wonder this kind of makes me think of CRT in that it almost mm. could it be in some in some places or in some regard that folks are motivated out of their fear because they don't understand and they don't know. You know, let's like I understand that part of it sure. probably is some pastors that are like, nope, I'm going to lose this, this and this. But I feel like 
from the get-go, you weren't a good pastor and you weren't in it in for the right reasons anyway, right? <laughs> but I'm going to assume that there are some good pastors out there. You're a good pastor, right? Yeah. And I'm going to assume that in some ways, this language, especially because nobody actually has like a clear, everybody changes. Um, yeah. And, and I'm, yeah. I'm actually thinking of like this one um, interaction that I saw online among Catholics. Um in in this language of deconstruction and what it means to some folks and what it means to others. And so I can imagine mm. that there are some situations where pastors and leaders um, and thinkers are like, I'm afraid. I'm not I'm not going to say that I'm afraid, but I'm afraid I'm going to push back out of that fear without really knowing. And like you said, without really investigating, without um, right. choosing humility first, um, which is. Yeah obviously a problem. I am probably harsh on white male pastors because I am a white male pastor. They they deserve they can handle it though. Uh so but I think you're right and I think there are two categories. I think there are the the white male pastors who are kind of generally afraid. They're not sure why. Uh, it makes them a little bit uncomfortable to talk about these things and they're just trying to avoid it. And then I think there are there are folks who understand all of this perfectly uh, and are fear-mongering uh, for the sake of their position. And that I think that hopefully we'll get to the second part of Patty's question, which was like, how did I decide to maybe not be that way? And, you know, I'm certainly in progress. I uh, I'm not... Like I've not arrived at any like magical plane, but I think the very thing that the, the, the pastors on Twitter who are pointing and saying, oh, this is the danger of deconstruction. They're always pointing at, at women and people of color always. And they're always saying, oh, if you read Kristen Kobes Dume's book or Jamar Tisby's book, right? Like slippery slope, you're doomed. It's all like Elisa, you know, said it's CRT stuff, right? That's all CRT. It's all Marxism. It's not the gospel, blah, blah, blah. And the, the only way out of this is to stop vilifying people of color and women and start listening to people of color and women. And I think anywhere that I am uh, in my own journey of being a, a more open person in terms of listening to other voices and appreciating other perspectives and not shaming people for their stories, it's because I have had the privilege of learning from women and people of color, whether directly or, or through you know books or things like that. Um, but once you've opened yourself up to those perspectives, I think, yeah, it just changes your outlook and it moves you out of fear and it moves you into empathy and it moves you out of like a rigid way of thinking about God as controlling. And it moves you into a, a more broad understanding of God and God's movement in the world. And that's a path that I wake up. I, and I've said this to Kayla before, you know, I, I have to wake up every day and look at myself in the mirror, realize that I sit at the intersection of the power of men and the power of white people and make decisions about that every day. And if you don't wake up and make decisions about that every day as a white man, then you will get caught up in the stream and carry right down uh, into these same waters that these other guys on Twitter are swimming in. Um, Cause that's just where our culture is always going to push you our church culture and our American culture, both. In this experience of creating this much needed place for people to kind of wonder and wander in safety. Um, 
what do you find is the good, good fruit? You know, we just talked about like, okay, this is why people are pushing back. This is why they're like, nah, y'all are all going to hell or whatever they're saying. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I don't have a Twitter account on purpose because people being mean in those many characters really just is is bad for my soul. So I I don't engage there um, on purpose. But um, there is obviously, you know, for myself, I like to use the language – disinvesting and then Hmm. investing Um, because uh, my Catholic faith has informed all parts of my life and there's so much fruit. And so I have had to kind of disinvest in the things that are actually not Catholic. It's like, oh, well, but that's really actually not a tenant of our faith. And mm, that isn't either. And kind of reinvest in the things that I know that have held over, over, you know, 2000 years. Um, and so in doing that, I have seen so much fruit in my life, sanity for one, because I understood that I was, um, uh, I was getting swept, talk about getting swept along. I was getting swept along in stuff that straight up was not part of my faith tradition to begin sure. with. You know yeah. what I mean? So what are some of the things that you're seeing in your community, in this community that is obviously good, good fruit of the spirit? This answer is so simple that maybe it sounds disingenuous. I don't know. But I think the best fruit is people who come into the community and look around and just realize they're not alone. Because so many people are in, especially if you, you, especially if you were involved in, in a church or grew up in a church, so much of our community gets wrapped up into the church, right? when you're a kid, it's your youth group. When you're an adult, you, you know, you, Kayla and I, you know, we, we went to a church plant and we set the chairs down, you know, and things like that. Uh, and when you do that, you just build these bonds. Uh, and then when you start to question, and especially if you question in a space where it's not really welcomed and that so many, I mean, that's like most people in the digital community is that's what's happened is they, they questioned, they had doubts, they wondered, and it was not accepted in their community. And they choose to walk away from their community, but you're not just walking away from Sunday morning. Like it turns out that all those people who you thought like were really great and who really loved you, you know, now they're praying for you at small group. Um, and you know, that you'll come back to where you can be found by God. And meanwhile, you feel like you found God out here. And it's a lonesome, lonely thing for people. That's what I'm just seeing over and over and over again. And I think that when people join the digital community, there's not a lot going on. We got book clubs. We got, you know, this and that. We post on the wall sometimes. We're trying to, you know, we're we're trying to make it a place where people can come and, and get resources and things. But the number one thing I think people find when they get there is that they're not alone. And that means so much uh, to people to know that there are others who are experiencing these same things. And not just others on Twitter, but others who are now in this same place. And maybe we could connect with each other. So I didn't grow up evangelical, but I know there within this idea of deconstruction, which is a really super broad tent, there's a movement of like yeah, yeah, yeah. what people call ex-evangelical. And it's almost a a walking away, like using that fundamentalist mm. energy to be against. So it's like the the fundamentalist evangelical energy of bringing people to Jesus now becomes yeah. against everything. 
And it's really interesting to watch from somebody who was like maybe a little foot in that space, but not not really and didn't grow up and don't carry those wounds. And it, it's a little sad to see that maybe there, there are people that are walking away from like this robust love of God because they only saw God in a very small way. And then it's like the cynicism, which is very valid, but then it starts to fester and grow. And I think what I see in the digital community is that there is still a desire to have a relationship with God and explore in real time the messiness of that and what that looks like and what the wilderness um, is. And knowing that like, for me, when I think of deconstruction and I think this speaks into it, it's, I Mm. ask the question, what is cultural and what is Christ? And that, that I think is a really simple question that has like profound reverberations for people, um, people of faith in this way. And I think that a lot of what maybe I think, Elisa, you can speak if that's an ecumenical thing too, and to kind of your, your understanding and disentangling of, of what is God and what is the Catholic faith and then what is like been tacked on. Because I, when I look at scripture and it's even like it drills down into like mm, yeah, the translations yeah. mm-hmm. of the Bible that we even read, right? Because who are the people that were translating it and what are the words? And like, I mean, it goes deep. And when you start unpacking, you don't come up with questions or yep. you don't come up with answers. You come up with more questions. And so it's like having a space to do that, that is somehow still faith like still it's not going to like make fun of you for still like holding on to some sort of faith and but also giving you space to like pull apart from what really wasn't even God to ever be yeah it reminds me of a little bit of what we spoke with Brandy Nico about last season Lindsay and I and you know she she talked specifically about being intentional with naming her podcast reclaiming my theology because you know we talked about that idea of Okay, once you tear it down, is it going to stay torn down or are you, is your foundation still in your belief in Christ and then you are, are pulling apart, like maybe the materials you used before are, are rotten and you don't want to build a new house with that material, but you're not going to leave the, the house in rubbles. You're going to rebuild with better, better ideas, with more loving ways, with, with a deeper understanding. And it's, it just makes me sad to think that asking questions in a space that often professes come as you are is so frowned upon Mm -hmm. in so many ways. And I'm not going to act like I've never been there. You know, I've definitely, you know, someone's, Oh, I'm I'm not going to be a church for a while. And, and had those, like Lisa said, the very real fear, like, Oh, what if like they never come back, you know? And I, I don't, I really seriously like pray that everyone doesn't have to go through it in order to understand why so many people are in this space, because it is, and it's excruciatingly painful to to have mm-hmm. this thought process, to have this community, to have these these beliefs, and then realize like, wow, I, I've missed it. You know, I've missed it. And one thing that you mentioned, Kayla, it's interesting as well for me as a black woman to kind of watch a lot of these conversations take place, because in some ways I see what's happening with even within this community who is re-examining their faith uh, it shows up like a different side of the same coin as those spaces they are leaving and they're still leaving out 
voices and people of color from the conversation as if black people and people of color have not been doing this for a very long time, you know, recognizing every space is not a space for us. Every space is not, is, does not want, you know, uh, black theologians, black leaders, you know, people of color um, to bring their richness, their culture, their ethnicity, their, their viewpoint, you know, oh, and, and I'm not going to try to speak for any other community, but let's not even talk about, you know, indigenous, you know, community. And, oh, you said, you mm. said, what about nature? Oh, that's, that's, that's an idol. That's, that's blasphemous. So I, I just find that, interesting and also like we we just all have to be really careful because even in in spaces that are saying i welcome you and like we're all in this together i still ask but are we really because i i still see that you're Mm. you're still like relying on other white people leading this conversation and you're still not in the process of deconstructing are you also uh divesting from your own whiteness yeah i I think that's spot on. One of the values that I'm trying to bring to the digital community is that I will not be, I'm the host, not the leader. Um, So I don't preach. I don't teach. I try to create space and welcome conversation so that we don't recreate the same broken systems that depend on one voice, you know, white usually, And then something else we're trying to work on right now is, you know, something that I've just called digital partnerships, where we're inviting folks in to lead um, learning cohorts. Uh, And it's not volunteer work. Uh, We are asking people to uh, get paid for leading their learning cohorts. And my hope would be that, um, you know, we've featured the voices of, of people of color on the podcast, but that's, you know... I don't think that's enough. My hope would be that we would be able to get some learning cohorts going where it was not just white people teaching and leading these things, where uh, people are getting paid for their work, paid for their labor. That's very important and and a, a value for um, the digital community is, is saying, hey, you know, we don't expect people to give us information for free. Um, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna value this stuff uh, and pay for it. Uh, and then all that money goes to creators. The digital community is not taking a dime. Um, we're just trying to create a platform for other people to uh, to lead and to teach and to use God's gifts. And you know, putting together an online cohort is a real pain in the butt if you don't know what you're doing. And we already have all the back end stuff ready to go. So, Elisa, Patty, I'm just I'll send you the application. Uh, you're in uh, if you want. But hopefully, I say all that to say, uh, hopefully, we can be led. Um, you know, people like me can be led by people like you, Patty, uh, in those spaces and you can be compensated for your time and your labor in those spaces. And then that can become part of who we are as a, as a gathering that when someone is ready to reconstruct, they're not reconstructing just by reading, you know, God love Brene Brown. Uh, but you know, we got, we need more than Brene Brown to reconstruct a faith. And so, uh, that we would be able to reconstruct with the voices of, um, yeah, historically marginalized communities. Do you think that cultural backgrounds and ethnicities, do you think that that is always a part of this conversation when we're talking about deconstruction? Is it an aspect of it? Is it the, you know, is it the source of it? Um, it was really interesting Patty, for me to hear you kind of speak about what that this has looked like for you to he- see this same kind of uh, pattern 
in in this new kind of you know the patterns of things that kind of um made you feel othered continue to make you feel othered and so uh, this is an interesting perspective and so i'm wondering if either one of you could speak to that idea that deconstruction is based on a certain thing or is it just can it be multiple things that uh, kind of lead a person into this space where they want to stop for a moment or two or five and just reconsider what they're doing in this in in their faith mm. life? You know what I mean? Yeah, I would I would love to take a part of that question, and then <laughs> Johnny, since you are are you know actively walking with people who who have come to the digital community and shared their varying reasons, um, I will say that. From what I've experienced, this this is occurring for a multitude of reasons, different for for different people. For some, it's it is misogyny, it's abuse, and and I mean all forms of mm-hmm. abuse, like physical, sexual, spiritual abuse. For some, it is racism they've experienced. You know, um, for some, it it may be I don't know. There's just like a long a laundry list. You know, if they're a part of the queer community, like there's there's so many different reasons, and I think that what I want to to point out is that even as we are in this process and in, in so many ways may feel like we're all in this together, it does not exclude us from having to continue to re-examine the, the harmful things, like Johnny said, that are still going with us. Like whether you identify as a quote-unquote progressive or quote-unquote conservative, we, we have to tackle white supremacy. Like, you know, whether you consider yourself a Reformed or a Baptist or, you know, Pentecostal, we still got to talk about all these things, you know, or Catholic. We got to talk mm-hmm. about all these things. So for me, it's more about um, all the reasons are different. But as it plays out, are are we still shutting out the same voices? Are we still being, you know, only allowing certain people to speak into us and in, in our experiences? You know, are we are we still saying yeah, but I don't know if I can really trust that person. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't really read, you know, theologians that I'm not familiar with, you know, <laughs> just like, can we be as open as we actually say that we want to be? And, and particularly for my white brothers and, si- and sisters going through this, you know, um, a lot of people go to different churches and find a new community and that's great. But how many of them go to a place that have uh, BIPOC leadership, you know, there's, there's still that, that grab and that gravitation towards what is familiar, which is still like, I can, I, I want to take this direction and I have this trust in people who look like me. Yeah. I think that's spot on. And I think you got to the, the heart of it, which is if you don't deconstruct to the foundation you will just build the same building or you'll build the same the building with the same flaws might be a truer thing to say and there's a crack in the foundation that i'd say oh my word uh, almost every white american christian has a faith built on a foundation that is cracked and the crack looks like white supremacy for sure um and if you don't deal with it you're gonna just rehash the same stuff. And, and I see some people in the deconstruction space who are kind of what, how Kayla described it, uh, ex-evangelicals who, who 
are sick of evangelical theology, but keep that same evangelical like attitude. You know what I mean? Except for now, I'm going to evangelize you to be progressive. Um, and it, it's still not, I don't think getting to the core problem, um, until, until we're willing to, we being people who look like me, um, shut up and sit down, um, and listen, you know, we're never gonna build something back better. And that's why I'd like to say, I don't lead the digital community. I, I want to be a host. I want to be a cheerleader for the conversations that happen. Um, I don't want anything to be built on my back because that's going to, I'm a white dude. It's going to be a broken thing uh, that gets built. See, and I think, you know, in, in the Catholic community, I would, I would just like to say that in the Catholic community, because um, the way that Catholicism is practiced is um, universal as far as what, what, when I go to mass in Austin, Texas, what's that's the same thing that's happening across, you know, on the other side of the globe in Rome or, you know, wherever Germany or, um, South Africa. So, so for us, it almost is, um, I wouldn't say necessarily like it, it is like, um, propped up on white supremacy. And if, you know, if you happen upon a white man, in a Catholic church, like he has built on something that is purely, uh, American in its nature, purely. Sure. Um, but I would say that we have been drinking a lot of that same water for a long time. Mm. And that is, I think that it is important to kind of really understand in our Catholicism, what is Catholicism and what is purely American nationalism and culture. You know what I mean? I think that that is um, a very valid point of view, even within the Catholic faith tradition. I I think Catholics have a leg up on Protestants on this because your faith predates um, Martin Luther and John Calvin, noted white dudes. Uh, and so you can go back and say, noted white dudes. <laughs> you can go back and say, Augustine of Hippo, African, uh, you know, there's African bishops and, and, you know, there, you, the, the Catholic church, I think has a longer, not, I think it does have a much longer history, a much more diverse history. And I think that does, uh, give Catholicism one up on Protestantism, which I mean, yeah, it it started by noted white dudes. I, I don't right. know. Yeah, no, no. I but I but I do agree that we could do a much better job kind of delving into all that richness that's there. Um, yeah, you know, for sure. Asian saints and 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 just all kinds of women. There's doctors of the church that are women. So there's a lot uh, that we could still that you know. That's why there's so many Catholics that are. <laughs> deconstructing because just because we have the sources, just because we have the wisdom doesn't mean we necessarily are embracing it. Um, I'm wondering about the community aspect because so many people are hurt um, in like hurt kind of is the almost feels like the, the first thing that happens in order to kind Mm -hmm. of go through this unlearning or learning process. Um, why, why is, or how do you feel like in the digital community, uh, community takes kind of that main 
stage? How do you guys set it up to where that is the focus? Because I would agree. I would agree that, you know, feeling lonely, especially in your faith, especially if you were attached to a community is really, really hard. And so what does it look like for you? What is the, what is the hope? What is the goal? Yeah, it's, it's nascent right now. Uh, and so that's a hard question to answer. It has looked so far like we've had some um, what we called happy hours. Elisa and Patty, you both were uh, part of a ha- And Kayla, look at this. Uh, you were all part of a happy hour. Uh, and those were a lot of fun. We opened up for questions and conversation afterwards. We've done book clubs, podcast discussion groups. Um, I, I think the next step, and this requires people who uh, it, it requires critical mass in some way, right? You have to have enough uh, folks there. And then you have to have enough folks who are ready to invest in community because that this can be just a space to sit and heal for a little while too. And, and I don't want to put any expectations on somebody who comes in. Hey, you need to be posting. You need to be doing that. No, no, no. Come in, sit. Log in, don't log in. Be here. In three months, come back. Maybe you're ready now. Like it's a... It, nobody's asking you to do anything in some ways. Uh, we have opportunities, but it's not like nobody's hunting you down <laughs> to make sure that you are engaging with the community. That actually sounds um, really nice when we're all exhausted, you know, yeah, just to show yeah. up how you are in, in the space and the time you are. I will say like I hopped in and I just kind of went rogue and I was like posting about just how I was really wrestling with how churches have uh, approached COVID uh, especially as a parent to immunocompromised children and just wondering like, has anybody else felt this way? Like saying it and kind of like didn't tell Johnny I was going to say it. And the answers have just been, you know, it didn't make me feel better that other people felt that way, but it did make me feel better that I like wasn't like a lone wolf. Like other people were like, yeah, I felt that way too. And, and seeing this has really been disheartening and hurtful. And like, it's not like, good to know that other people have been struggling, but there is this communal element of like, my weary heart will sit with your weary heart. And we don't Mm -hmm. know all of the answers, but like, I see your pain and I'll sit with your pain. Like there's something that is, is pushing you toward healing when you have somebody who doesn't like push an answer on you or push a defense on you, but just says like, I'll sit with you in your pain. Yes. Yeah. I, well, I think that that's like really powerful about, you know, what you're doing, Johnny, because even without knowing, well, I don't know how the community will and will evolve. Uh, so much of, of just this whole conversation, right, is, is on the idea of what is the right way and who defines mm-hmm. what is right, what is correct. How do yeah, we yeah. how do we do this in the right way? And just being able to be open is um and be in a place where like you say you don't it's heartbreaking to be like, "Oh man, like this happened to you too?" or or you feel the same pain and oh, you're you're worried about your kids as well. That that that's sad. And it's also sometimes just all a person needs is to know that they're not alone. And that's what mm-hmm. gives them that that drive to keep persisting, to keep saying, like, I will one foot after the other, one step at a time. I'm on this journey. I've unlearned a lot. I need to learn some more things. I need to piece it back together. But I, I do think that without having some semblance of a community, even if it's in 
you know, without like some structured state. But that's also like a whole other conversation, right? It's, you know, how we've talked about in the past too, like how do you even define community? Like it doesn't have to look a certain way mm-hmm. to be meaningful and to, and to be helpful. Yeah. And, yeah. and that is, is, you know, something that COVID has shown us and this whole conversation has shown us is we really are like people who are, are made to be around people. And, and so mm-hmm. if we don't have that, because of whatever the reason that led you to this space and you're like out of church and you're, you've lost your community is just such a gift to know that at least there are spaces that exist where I can come and simply be. And that's going to help keep me going. So I know that if, and when I'm ready, I can engage or if, and when, you know, I have questions, I can put them out there without shame or without being chastised. So it really, uh, it really is meaningful. Honestly, I think, I honestly think that at the end of the day, I think what we all kind of have come to, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but like Jesus is worth it. Like, you know, Jesus, at the end mm. of the day, we're, 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 yeah. and that was like kind of one of the comments I heard on that, on that thread of Catholics who were deconstructing is, you know, like this takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of um, vulnerability. It takes a lot of honesty to say the things that have hurt you or that you don't understand or that you want to know more about. But ultimately it's, it's beautiful work because at the end of the day, you're doing it because you have met Jesus and Mm. you are loved by Jesus and you love Jesus. And so the work that you're putting, and you love, you love the fact that he's like, uh, yeah, you, you love me above all else, but you also love your neighbor and you also love yourself. You know, like here's the great commandment. And so um, it is an actual, it's really hard. It's really brutal at times, but I also think like at the end of the day, look at who we're doing it for, you know, look at why we're doing it. Um, We have met in the person of Jesus Christ, someone who has taken a hold of us in, in such a beautiful and profound way. And when we see that being perverted in certain ways, we're like, nah, you know? And so we're willing to take that time and that effort. And that's what your community speaks to, right? It speaks to this idea that this relationship um, with Christ is actually really important and worth it. Yeah. I have been surprised might not be the right word. When I created the community, I, I didn't know who would show up. Um, I didn't know. And I, I assumed people would come in. I think I assumed people would come in who were like exvangelical and who were like kind of cynical. And I assumed we'd spend a lot of time, um, bashing the church. And what has happened is we still bash the church a little bit, but what has happened is people have come in and they're more tired and they're more in the space that you just described, Elisa, where they just can't quit Jesus. Um, and they're not even sure why they can't quit Jesus, uh, but they can't. And that's that's how people are coming in. Uh, we And we have people who are there who work in churches and can't don't feel like they can like express themselves that's in their church, you know? Um, but that's, yeah, that's how it's yeah. shaping up um, to be, yeah. 
I so, just wonder, sorry, Lisa. Go ahead, go ahead. Kayla. I just, I just gonna... wonder, I mean, I loved when you were preaching. If people could see, I was like nodding so vigorously, <laughs> which is like, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> but I wonder like, wouldn't it be beautiful if church would actually be a place of healing and a place where you could bring your questions and could bring your wanderings and your wanderings and your wilderness moments and be held together by the love of Christ that says you are beloved and so is he and so is she. And like, I just, it's it's like painful in a way that like we even have to have this kind of private space. And I'm so glad that there is, but I just like, what if, you know, and like, what if we didn't even need this word deconstruction, not because we weren't constantly unlearning and relearning, but just because when it boils down to it, that is what it is to walk in faith. <laughs> like, that's what we right. see in scripture. That's part of <laughs> all of our journeys. Right. This is actually mm-hmm. super normal. And the people right. that say that it's not normal are the people that are clinging to that culture and not yeah. Christ. Right. And I would like mm-hmm. to say, Kayla, like, that's an excellent point. Absolutely. Like, deconstruction, or if you don't like that word, learning, unlearning, like wondering and figuring out, like that is faith. That is the faith life. I love that Mm -hmm. point. And also I think that I would like to just put the, put, put it out there that there, I think there are churches where that's true, you know, that people do feel, um, you know what I mean? So so there there are some really harmful spaces and also and and I think the hope is and the ideal is that all the spaces become welcoming spaces. All the spaces are healing spaces. All the spaces are spaces where we um, recognize the dignity in one another and where we uh, recognize that this is hard. <laughs> it's real yeah. hard. Um, people have been martyred for it for as long as there's been time. And so... Um, Maybe that is kind of the goal, and it should be the goal that all of these spaces are safe spaces for mm-hmm. for folks. Um, I wanted to end real quickly. Oh, go ahead, Patty. Yeah, no, I completely agree with all of the above, and I think that the fact that it's not all spaces is why we have to have these conversations because right. there mm-hmm. are not enough. It's just not enough. Like there, you know, sure. it's just it isn't. So it's not. Is not taking away from those who are doing the good work. Like we're in on this call with Johnny, a white male pastor who we trust, who we we see his character, we believe in what he's doing, we support his his mission and vision for his community. And there are just a gaggle of people who are hurting. And mm-hmm. I just feel burdened by that not to take away from the goodness that's happening, but to affirm that for those who are hurting and are like, I believe you, there are good spaces, but where are they? (laughs) Because I need one. I need one, you know, that that it's it's okay. (laughs) Right. That it's okay to just be, to be kind of waiting and and wandering and wondering and in the weeds until you do like land in a place where, where it feels like truth and safety and dignity and and the the love of Jesus that that again we should all be be fighting for you know it shouldn't be an us versus them it should be everybody for Jesus <laughs> um, but unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately that's not that's not what's actively happening in too many spaces absolutely 
I wanted to end this call um, just by asking who, since we're talking about learning and unlearning, who you're learning from. Oh my goodness. Who are you learning from right now, Johnny Craig? What I'm trying to do, I think for my learning is paying attention to the conversation that's happening. I have tried to for lack of a better word, diversify my social media follows uh, so that I am being exposed to conversations about faith and deconstruction and whatever else from not just white perspectives and, and not just male perspectives. I think that has been important for me to just pay attention to what people are saying you know, uh, to what is being said and being shared and the stories that are being shared and not to insert myself and not to show up and say, oh my goodness, thank you so much. Or not to show up and say, hey, could you tell that story again? But on a place that is, you know, helpful for me for you to tell it. Um, But just to (laughs) read it where it was put and try to absorb the message of it. Um, so I don't know if I could say like one particular person. I I just think it's trying to trying to understand this messy life of following God and and breaking up with American Christianity from a broad um, group of people and perspectives. Yeah, that's so good. We thank you, Johnny, for joining us today. Um, This was a very fruitful conversation. Um, For all you listeners who want to find this community that seems to be just a very safe and wonderful space, I actually just, um, in the middle of this, got on and followed (laughs) which I don't know why I wasn't there. (laughs) Duh. Um, I should have been there from day one. Um, You can find it. You can find this community on Instagram at the digital community. Yeah. And and following us on Instagram is great, but the best place to go for the digital community is the real place. And you can find that at the digital (laughs) community.co, not.com. Dot C O. Okay. Go there now. Go Go forth. Go there now. (laughs) So, of course, all of this information will be in our show notes. But I also want to remind you that you can learn more at UpsideDownPodcast.com or the place that we are the most active, and that is at UpsideDownPodcast on Instagram. If you are not a patron, consider joining because we would love to have you and and like lisa said at the top of the conversation you all literally keep us going so thank you so much and as always we appreciate seeing you share our episodes with your friends your online communities rating them reviewing them and we thank you for being here continue persisting